for all of your Wisconsin Badgers news from the recruiting trail, on the field, and near the rim. This is the Badger Blitz Podcast. If you want to be a Badger, just come along with me by the bright, shiny light of the moon. On Overtime Media. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. This is Jake Kokorowski. we got John McNamara here broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studio. Hope everyone is enjoying their week. It's a lot going on for those traveling to Florida. I know a lot of weather. There's been a lot of talk about, obviously, Hurricane Dorian. I'll be down there covering the game. we got a lot to talk about with South Florida, Wisconsin. That's not weather-related. We also are going to talk with Kelly Quinlan. We had a conversation with him on Tuesday afternoon talking about just what to expect from the Bulls. But first, John, huge news, if you will. Try to get punny on this. But, a, of course, Wisconsin on Tuesday received a verbal commitment from 2020 tight end Cam Large, three-star talent out of Massachusetts. 5.7 rating, but really his offers are he's 31 offers. He had a final four of Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Officially visited UW in June. Big commitment, pun intended, for Wisconsin. Yeah, it, you know, a very big one and a little anticlimactic because I, I think, you know, I think people that were following the site closely and following the message board closely uh, had a really good idea that Cam Large was – you know, at, at some point going to officially announce his commitment to Wisconsin. Um, obviously, we, we tried to keep that under wraps uh, as best we could because we, you know, he committed a while ago. He was actually commit number 13 in this 2020 class for the Badgers. Um, but he chose, and you know, which is completely fine, which is absolutely his choice to, you know, not announce it, you know, right away after he actually talked to the Wisconsin coaching staff. So, you know, uh, re, you know, regardless of when he made it public, like you said, Jake, uh, a really, really big commitment for Wisconsin at a position of need uh, is, you know, especially if you look at the current roster and how thin they are there. Um, you know, you talked about the offers that he had, I think 30 plus offers, but his final four was Wisconsin, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. And uh, he took official visits to all four of those schools. And, you know, that's kind of the who's who of college football. If you look at Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, I mean, had Clemson maybe been his his fifth choice, I mean that that's kind of it uh, as the top programs kind of year in and year out for the past handful of years. So um, excellent gift for the Badgers, uh, someone that they've been working on for a while. I mean, Mickey Turner's been on this guy since the winter. Uh, they got him up, I believe, you know, right either at the, right at the end of winter, maybe that February March period. I know he took his first unofficial visit to Wisconsin. Um, and, and, you know, he really liked it there. I remember talking to him then and he talked about, you know, you know, Wisconsin's going to be in my top group for sure. And, and that kind of held true. And, you know, even after he blew up, uh, this off season, you know, with the offers that we talked about and, you know, a lot of other schools came in. So he was a pretty highly coveted guy, uh, headed to Wisconsin. I think he'll be a real good fit for the Badgers, you know, maybe more of an inline guy right now, but certainly someone who, I, you know, after talking to his coach, he thinks that he'll develop more as a pass catcher down the road. Uh, but like I said, position of need and, and definitely a, a real nice compliment to Cole Dakovich in this 2020 class at tight end. And with that now, you know, you, you kind of talked about, let's expand a little bit more on what he could bring to the offense. And you mentioned tight end and folks, 
of course, he is not eligible. He cannot enroll early, meaning the fall semester of 2019, based off of what you've seen at that tight end position. Obviously, Luke Benchwell is out. I had asked Paul Christ about that earlier today when we had player uh, coach availability, and he said that you know they did not know right now. Though it sounds like down the you know in the next week or so they may know more about what's to come for Benchwell. That then. Obviously, Hayden Rucci was injured, left arm during fall camp. You have Clay Cundiff, who UW official had told me ha- suffered a head injury. And then Gabe Lloyd's out for the year with a right leg injury. And Coy Warner, I had not seen him on the 110-man roster when those practices were open to the media. So uh, this year, the impact, I mean, obviously, large cannot make an impact now. But you mentioned a little bit about his the talent there. What do you think he could bring? next year and the years forward going forward and when could he make an impact for Wisconsin's offense? I wasn't able to confirm this with him, but we've heard rumblings that he is uh, planning to graduate early. So if that's the case and getting on campus for the spring, uh, taking part in spring ball would be huge for him. Um, And, you know, I think the biggest thing that stands out right now is how physical he is. Uh, You know, he plays both ways. Obviously a lot of these, these top high school guys do, uh, but he was actually being recruited, I think, for sure. Michigan liked him at defensive end, and you know maybe a couple other schools. But he's going to play tight end for the Badgers. So I, I think you know if you had to either say is he an inline guy, or is he an H back? He probably projects more to an inline tight end right now, uh, just in my opinion, because of his ability to block, uh, his ability to kind of get after it uh, as an inline guy with his hand on the ground because of his physicality. Like I said earlier, I think his route running is still developing, but. You know, if you look at his tape, you know, he's a guy that can go up and get the ball, and he's got pretty good hands. So, um, you know, obviously, Joe, uh, I'm sure I almost said Joe Rudolph, Mickey Turner, you know, he works those guys at both spots. So he's, he's certainly going to be a guy that, that's going to be exposed to both. But I think maybe he, he, his future is as an inline guy, but I definitely think he's a guy that can go out and catch the football for you as well. So, uh, you know, and, and like you talked about, Jake, you, you ran through the guys on the current roster and their injury status. Uh, I think there's a door that is wide open for early playing time. Uh, I think you could definitely see Cundiff and and possibly Rucci play as freshmen, although they're both, uh, you know, injured right now. We're not sure of their status moving forward. But, you know, if if there's a spot where if you can come in and and digest the playbook and and be there physically uh, to play early, it just might be tight end. Exactly. And the big thing, too, to take into note, I would say Mickey Turner had told me, before fall camp on July 31st that he wasn't going to hold back Rucci or Cundiff. They were ready. They're right around, you know, 250 pounds each. And then it's just a matter of getting used to the offense and, and what UW expects out of those tight ends. So if large can be somewhere in that range, you know, after summer conditioning next year, you know, if once he gets into UW's weight room, if his weight's ready, uh, you know, the precedence that has been set, you know, you could say uh, if he is physically ready, the training wheels are going to be coming off and they'll, they'll, they'll try to work on those younger players and, and see if they can make an impact early. And I guess you could say that on the flip side of the ball with Keanu Benton right now, who is the number two nose tackle. And based off of what we have heard from defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard, you guys saw the videos up on badgerblitz.com. He's likely going to be on the travel roster. He's in the two deep. Jim Leonard said some nice things about him yesterday, John. So, you know, Wisconsin's not just a, a developed program. 
you're starting to see some of those true freshmen even this year. I expect Leo Chanel possibly. Uh, we still haven't seen too much of Logan Brown, and we know that he had his sights set on trying to start or play this year, and we'll see because he was limited early in fall camp. But for sure, Benton, Leo Chanel might have a role. Uh, and of course, you never know what's going to happen at quarterback too. And Graham Mertz is the number, you know, is a co number two at that quarterback spot. Uh, and, but again, Wisconsin, I know we know that they are known for a developmental type program, but they have also set that precedent where if you're ready as a true freshman, you can play and you can play early. Yeah. You know, every year there's about, you know, four or five, six guys that, that contribute right away uh, either, you know, based on need which kind of might be where Benton falls. Although, you know, I, I think that, that he's got a very high ceiling as well. Uh, you know, to be able to come in and play as a true freshman is a big deal as a defensive tackle. Um, I, you know, I, I thought he was a great get in that 2019 class. But, you know, every year Wisconsin has some holes to fill, and, and sometimes freshmen are able to do that. Uh, even on special teams, you know, they'll, they'll use guys. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how we Rucci is used, you know, because his coach said – that he could play on special teams if he needed him to right away. I just think that you know he's he's maybe a bit further along uh, physically at that position. I just think that you know if he if he's there physically and he does indeed enroll early uh, be, because of the position that he plays, I, I definitely think the door is open for for playing time as a true freshman. But again, he's he's got to play out his senior year. He's still got to sign with Wisconsin. Although I don't want to hint that that's any sort of an issue. That's 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 definitely not. Uh, you know, I think he's 100% committed, but there's a long way to go. But I think if, you know, he continues on the path that a lot of people think that that he's on right now, uh, you know, his coach included getting a chance to talk to him last night. Uh, I think that he could contribute early if he's ready. Now, before we talk with Kelly Quinlan from running the Bulls, our rivals, cousins that cover South Florida football, John, I guess get if we could get, I know we didn't put this on our agenda, but what should fans look forward to next weekend with central Michigan? Maybe a little bit of a teaser as to uh, which, and I know Michigan might be a big weekend too, coming up in, a, in about three weeks, but who are you hearing things from, from recruits that they may be up for the central Michigan game too? Yeah, that, that's going to be a big weekend uh, for Paul Christ and for Greg guard. Uh, there's two official visitors on the football side that we know of for sure so far. Um, Isaac Smith, the wide receiver, uh, you know, the, probably the top remaining wide receiver target on Wisconsin's board. He'll be in town for his official visit and his first time to Madison. And, uh, James Thompson, the three-star defensive end will be on campus as well. Uh, I, I think Thompson, there's a very good chance that he could leave committed to Wisconsin and, and pair up with Cade, uh, McDonald as a defensive end in this 2020 class for Wisconsin. Uh, Smith, I, I, I think there's a possibility, but I think he may want to take an official to Missouri as well. So, um, you know, those two guys are definitely uh, two guys in that 2020 class to watch. And, you know, we're, we're still kind of compiling some names for some of the youngsters, you know, from that 2021 20, uh, class and even probably 2022 classes that'll be on campus as well. And then basketball, uh, two guys from D1 Minnesota, Stephen Crowell and Ben Carlson, uh, will take their official visits. I believe on September's uh, the weekend coming up here uh, so that, you know, those are, are big time targets for, for Greg guard in the 2020 class. Uh, like we've talked about before they're on paper, they have one remaining scholarship left. They're certainly recruiting like they want to take two more in, in this senior cycle. Uh, again, you know, if you look at the landscape of college basketball and I'm not, 
speculating about any specific person on the roster, but there's there's just an awful lot of turnover, whether it is some guy electing to transfer, someone walking away from the program, or you know, someone using a graduate transfer. I'm not, again, not saying anyone on the current roster that I know of is in a position like that, but uh, on paper, they have one open spot. It, it, it would appear, obviously, Greg Gard can't comment on anyone who's not signed, uh, but it would appear that they are looking to take, you know, potentially two more in this class. So if you think, if you look at uh, Kral and Carlson, uh, two guys that have some more official visits locked in. So I, I don't think that they leave committed, but, uh, you know, it's going to be a big opportunity for the staff uh, to show those guys who have been on campus before, you know, what it's like for a game day. You know, they'll be around the basketball team for a while. Uh, so it's, it'll be a big weekend for those guys on campus. Now, folks, we'll have more, obviously, next week about who's going to be in Madison and expectations going into Wisconsin Central Michigan. But now we're going to talk with Kelly Quinlan from runningthebulls.com, one of the Rivals publishers. Great guy. We're going to take you to that conversation right now. No break. He'll preview essentially what to expect from South Florida, their offense, Charlie Strong, Blake Barnett, and more. So it was a great conversation on Tuesday. Remember, it was on Tuesday afternoon. So, th- you know, some things have changed. Uh, and we'll, John and I, when we get back from the break, we'll talk about KJ Sales receiving eligibility to play in 2019 and, and how that could be a factor too. But for now, here's Kelly Quinlan talking with us here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. It's game week. It's South Florida. We're going to have our game predictions, John and I, in just a little bit. But first, we wanted to bring someone on that's covered the team for a while and coming from our rivals cousins over at Running the Bulls. We got Kelly Quinlan on. Kelly, nice having you on. I know you're based in you know in the South. How hot is it down there? Um, you know, today actually the last couple of days has cooled off a little bit. There's been some weather coming through, I think ahead of the tropical storm, um, that's forthcoming, uh, that should miss the game Friday, but may impact those coming down for a couple of days, uh, today in Tampa, it's like 82, um, and just kind of cloudy and going to rain tomorrow. And then it looks like it'll be okay for the next couple of days some thunderstorms and stuff, but the typical kind of Florida weather you get, however, Friday, it's going to be like 90. So, um, It'll be interesting to see kind of how quickly it cools off and what that weather's like. I know it's so much different for teams coming down in the humidity. And uh, it's always been kind of interesting to see how, like, some of the Big Ten teams do. Like, they played Illinois. And a lot of those teams, if you're lucky that it's a night game, because if it's a day game, that's really miserable for a lot of the teams that come from out of town. Because you can have it be, like, 95 degrees and tremendous humidity and kids cramping up everywhere. and um, I think Friday night will be a lot more pleasant uh, football experience and the weather should hopefully hold off. So all in all, it's not too bad. Yeah, I was going to say, talking to Wisconsin players, the message has already been sent loud and clear when they had team meetings on Sunday talking about hydration and keeping, not waiting until the day before to make sure that you're hydrated, that you're drinking water and whatnot. So, and just in Gatorade and Fayon Hicks even said Pedialyte too. Uh, the cornerback for Wisconsin. So who Hicks is from Florida. He's from the, the Miami area. So he knows all about this uh, from being a high school standout down there. Uh, and also we can talk about the weather. Yeah. I'm one of those guys that's going to stay an extra day because my wife and I have a 10 year <laughs> anniversary. Uh, you know, that was in February. 
Uh, Kelly, my next question with the weather, why is there a tropical storm heading to Florida late this weekend? And why may I not be able to enjoy my post game one day vacation with my wife? You know, it's, it's that time of year, man. They've lost games. They've had all, I spoke of the, when Illinois came down here that week, the, I forget which hurricane it was hit, uh, the Miami area and it kind of came across the middle of the state and went all the way through Tampa and USF had to play Illinois. They had one day of practice that week leading up to the game because they don't have an indoor practice facility and uh, the weather was too bad to, to be outside. So it's a common theme, especially uh, right now through like early November. Um, the hurricane season just gets crazy. You know, you're lucky the last uh, time I was down trying to go to the beach in Tampa um, in the spring, they had like a red tide going on with like dead fish all over the beaches and you couldn't go in the water. And so it's not, oh, it's not been a uh, smooth, that's gone away luckily, but um, it, it's been a rough uh, a summer for the, the people who own like, you know, places on the beaches and stuff around the, the Tampa area and Clearwater and all that. It is uh, not, not really been a great year for them. So I imagine they're praying that, the hurricane kind of stays away and folks can enjoy their vacations. And I'm sure that the fans that are coming down that are Wisconsin fans or people who live like maybe in the vicinity of Tampa and are, are making trips down to see these games. Uh, hopefully their vacation plans like yours will not be ruined by bad weather. Yeah. We're all hoping it steers far East. I know it's a smaller storm, et cetera. Obviously we're recording on Tuesday afternoon for people that don't know just a little bit behind the curtain. So the forecast is still TBD on that. Uh, but hopefully, yeah, we are able to enjoy that. You know, look at the game though, and look at this program for South Florida. I have a little bit uh, of a warm, fuzzy feeling in my personal opinion. I said this on Twitter during our Q and a uh, session on Friday, on Saturday, Sunday night, really, I, I watched South Florida grow as a program when it first started. I remember watching on Sports Channel Florida and watching when they're, if I'm not mistaken, a one double A team and you know FCS team and, and working their way up. And I've seen them now, obviously, in the FBS, and you're seeing how that program's been built up. And now Charlie Strong enters his third season as head coach. Last year they started off strong with a seven game win streak before the Bulls struggled in the final six losses. Where do you think Strong can take this program this season, but also beyond? You know, it, it's he made some tactical errors when he got hired at, at USF. They had a pretty good offensive staff in place that had propelled Willie Taggart in that program. He decided to not keep basically any of those guys except for one assistant and brought in all his guys from Texas. And they were the guys who got him fired at Texas, basically, on offense. And it took a few years for him to realize that they were bad fits and there was a lot of issues there. They had staff issues just in general uh, with two kind of uh, numbnut assistants that had to be fired on defense. They've cleared all those guys out. They have a much better staff. They have Kerwin Bell, the former Florida quarterback, who's head coach of Valdosta State. He's Running the offense, they're embracing the fact that they have speed and quickness, and that's the advantage that you have being in Florida, and you need to play to that. So they're going to play fast. They're going to play tempo. They're going to have a lot of different ways to get the ball to their weapons. They have really fast guys. Johnny Ford's a guy. He's five foot five, 
like 175 pounds, but he is really dynamic with football in his hands. So they come up with stuff to get him the football, come up with things to get the receivers in game. They're one of the best tight ends. They have a pretty good nucleus of a team. They have a decent offensive line. You know, defensively, they've had a lot of trouble at linebacker. The front four is very solid, but not deep. And then you have a decent secondary. So they have the pieces to be a good team. Uh, you know, what the ceiling is this year, that'll be interesting. Um, they still kind of lack the long-term quarterback situation there. Blake Barnett's the guy this year who played at Alabama and, and Arizona State. But Blake's kind of really been a good quarterback, but they haven't developed anyone beyond him. They've had injury problems in the past. There's a lot of different things going on with, with USF that kind of held them back while you've seen a school like Central Florida take off so much nationally. Some of that's been on the back of the struggles they've had at South Florida. And Charlie Strong's trying to fix it. The AD's really bought in with him, the new AD, Michael Kelly. And I think that they have a good plan for the future. I think it's just going to be interesting because this is kind of a transition year. Can they maximize this and have a really good year? And they have a tough schedule. So when you look at all of that, these first two games are going to be very tough for them. They play Wisconsin this week. Next week they go play Georgia Tech, who they upset last year in Tampa. So there's going to be um, – a lot kind of riding on these first two games. They really need to split them somehow. And to me, the tougher of the two matchups for them is Wisconsin because it's such a physical team. And how are they going to match up in the trenches? And can they handle that? And with that too, I mean, you, you spoke on a few things that I'm, I'm going to come back to on that. Uh, and that starts with Kerwin Bell, who, I mean, I remember watching the World League as a kid which maybe that shows my age, maybe the old pro set cards or whatever that I forgot which card company made those. And you saw the world league and he was on there, Florida quarterback, obviously professionally, you know, he played for over a decade. How can his offensive system where, you know, Valdosta state, that division two program, he was averaging 52 points per contest uh, for that program. How can that benefit? You mentioned, you know, Blake Barnett, the former four-star signee. How can it benefit him? But also, you know, you already mentioned it a bit, but if you could expand upon it, just how that could benefit the Bulls' offense as well. So last year, and really the last couple of years, with um, Sterling Gilbert, who's the offensive coordinator, is now the head coach at McNeese State. He did a lot of sort of things where you would scratch your head. So they had the kid I mentioned, Johnny Ford, right? He was the backup running back last year. He's now a slot receiver. Johnny Ford, they would try to run him on a uh, basically a dive play right down the middle of the defense. You got a five foot five guy who weighs 170 pounds running inside is you know maybe not the recipe for success that you would have as a college football coach. And so Kerwin's whole idea is to get guys in space, get them in positions to make plays whether that's in the screen game, um, running option concepts, running uh, jet sweeps, those kinds of things. So they have a lot of dynamic guys. They have a wide receiver named Randall St. Felix, who's a great deep vertical threat, right? They have a slot, Johnny Ford, who's a guy who's just dynamic and gets the ball in his hands. Jordan Cronkite, the running back, is a guy who's going to probably play in the NFL. He was at Florida, at a, uh, played as a true freshman at Florida, and kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit there and transferred over. Those guys, they have weapons, right? If you look at the team, the way it's built up, they have really nice weapons. They have some good offensive linemen. Marcus Norman would probably start from most teams in college football at right tackle. Uh, Mitchell Wilcox is one of the top tight ends in the country. So 
he has a lot of different weapons and they've been kind of um closed off uh you know guys who cover practice down there they have not been able to get much access in terms of seeing what's going on they're trying to keep a lot of stuff under wraps in terms of what exactly they're going to do personnel wise and what the attack is going to be like what the offense is really going to truly look like and so i think they're trying to get a little bit of an element of surprise with Wisconsin. Obviously, it's a spread concept, just like what everybody else runs, but it's going to be interesting to see kind of how it is developed and how far they've come along from the spring, because the spring was pretty vanilla, what they showed in the spring game and what they showed in open practices. And then this fall, they've been much more closed off, which makes me think they've, they've put some new wrinkles on. Right, and that's one of the questions that I had on BadgerBlitz.com. We had some... We uh, five burning questions segment that we have every week. And one of the questions that we had was just what wrinkles are. I think both offenses are going to show even Wisconsin with, you know, we saw during fall camp, Jonathan Taylor and Garrett Groshek in the same backfield. It will be interesting to see what South Florida actually deploys and, and defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard spoke with the media a little earlier on to on uh, Tuesday Basically just saying, you know, trying to figure out like, well, there's the, you look at the personnel of South Florida, you look at what Valtasta state does and you try to piece it all together. It should be, in my opinion, it's going to be a good challenge for Wisconsin right out the gates to see if they can improve on the defensive end from last year, which was a, a bit of a disappointment you could say, but looking at South Florida's defense then, and when I saw the depth chart that was released this week, it appeared the bulls had went with more of a four, three scheme. I saw the four defensive linemen, three linebackers, com- you know, and compared to what I saw maybe in last year's game notes, I think it was like a, the second to last game of the 2018 season, season. It looked like a four, two, five look who, who should fans know more about heading into Friday's game in terms of potential playmakers and what South Florida's defense could do against Wisconsin. So they have, a, so basically they play a four, two, five against a, more run heavy team, they'll go four three. Their issue has been linebacker depth is nothing not a strong point on the team. They've just had a lot of injuries and attrition and bad luck at the linebacker position. And their best linebacker on paper, Nico Sattel, is not gonna play. He missed you know the second half of last year with a neck injury and apparently re injured himself again uh, in fall camp after missing the spring. So he's out. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with, with the, what they got. They have two really talented defensive ends, Greg Reeves, who was a, a walk-on um, that has earned a scholarship over the years and become a pretty reliable pass rusher. And Kirk Livingstone, they both make good plays. Uh, there are two inside guys, the two Kel, uh, Kevin and Kel, Kel, uh, Kelvin. They both are, are dynamic players. They can move the move the pile and – make some plays, you know, really their, their starting defense on the front four is pretty good. Depth falls off a lot after those guys. And then, you know, the secondary can make plays. Mike Hampton's one of the better cover corners in the college football and had a very good year last year. Uh, Bentley Sanders steps up here, replaces um, Mezzie Wilkins, who is literally one of the best cover corners in, in college football uh, statistically. And then, you know, safety position, Nick Roberts and uh, Vincent Davis have a good bit of experience. They can roll some guys at those spots. So they have some options there. I think the defense is solid. Obviously, that's what Charlie Strong was known for as a defensive coordinator. And then as a, a head coach, um, strong defense is really up into the point where he got to Texas. 
South Florida has shown at times to be a decent defensive team. But the identity of the program really for quite a long time now has been scoring a lot of points. And the games that they've won, that's how they've won them for the most part. They don't win a lot of, you know, 28, 21 games. They win, you know, 35, you know, 21, 28 or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see kind of if the defense can kind of lift up. It's been a little bit disappointing under Charlie Strong. And uh, the defense coordinator, Brian Jean-Marie, is an old friend of mine. and uh, they just haven't had the horses really on defense yet to, to be an elite defense. And it'll be interesting to see now that all these guys they have, have mostly two, three years in their system. Can they kick it up a notch and, and make more plays and keep the, keep the offense in the game when the offense isn't clicking. That was something that really killed them last year. They would have quick three and outs on offense playing at tempo. And then the defense would be back on the field and they get tired and, they didn't have the depth to rotate enough guys and then bottle it, you know, it starts to unwind on you a little bit. So that's something um, if I'm Wisconsin, I'm trying to sustain drives, test their depth a little bit, especially early in the year. And as we all saw watching college football last Saturday, tackling is always atrocious out of the gate. And um, there's going to be opportunities to break some tackles and make plays. Can, can Wisconsin do that? Can USF prevent them from doing that? That's another sort of key point to watch for on Friday. Uh, and, and we have Kelly Quinlan on from running the bulls, usf.rivals.com, our great cousins that cover South Florida football uh, and athletics too. And I was going to say where, I guess, you know, when it comes down to it, you've already laid out so much with the offense and the defense. Is there one key area that you think South Florida could give Wisconsin a run for its money on Friday night and vice versa? I mean, I look at the run game for Wisconsin. That was, you know, about 273 yards per game last year on the ground. I know USF gave up about 247 on the ground last year. Uh, so I think that might be a key for Wisconsin. But where do you think South Florida could give the Badgers a run for their money on Friday night? I think it's there's two key positions, the tight end and the slot position. Um, Johnny Ford, who I mentioned, Eddie McDoom, who's his backup, who played at Michigan. And then you have uh, Mitchell Wilcox, tight end. They can get those guys involved in the middle of the field, get them in crossing routes, get the linebackers on them, get the safeties on them in mismatches. I think that is an opportunity to make some big plays and something that the previous offensive staff struggled with identifying those are your mismatches. Those are your situations in college football. If you have good slot guys, good tight ends, you can really take advantage in the middle of the field of a defense, especially if the defense is trying to be aggressive to stop the run. On the flip side of things, I mean, I watched South Florida get run over by Georgia Tech last year, basically running just left and right um, power runs. And they struggled to, to stop that. And, I'm, you know, I'm of the opinion now I want to see them show me that they're a good defensive team. Don't just uh, talk about how you're going to be better. And it, it's a prove it thing now, right? They got to prove they're good on defense. And if I'm Wisconsin, I'm trying to run the ball at them. I'm trying to control the clock. I'm trying to frustrate the offense. And that's their identity. You have a big offensive line, go and attack them right down the middle of the, the defense. And that, that would be my approach if I were uh, the Wisconsin coaches going into this game. I got two more questions for you, Kelly. We'll get you out the door. First off, game predictions. Who you got and why? 
I, you know, as much as I love my uh, USF fans and all that, logically, I would have to pick Wisconsin. I think it's a little bit of a physical mismatch at some places, especially on the lines of scrimmage. I like what they've been doing at Wisconsin. And um, I just feel like out of the gate, that's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to take a little while for, for USF to find their sea legs with their offense. So to me, I see kind of a... 31-24 kind of game, 31-21 kind of game. Like South Florida's had some issues on special teams. Um, they have good return unit, but their coverages have struggled a little bit. Kicking's been kind of an adventure at times. So those are the things that can also kind of lose you a game and our area is a concern for me looking at this. So uh, that's kind of what I see there. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, it's the first game of the year. There's when you see upsets most often, especially um, when you see group of five teams upsetting at P5 school. A lot of them are these first weeks of the season when everyone's still trying to get their wits about them. You know, teams practice a lot differently than they used to. There's not as much hitting or tackling. There's no more two a days. Like all of that stuff's changed, and I think it's impacted how the kind of learning curve out of the gate a lot of times you see and there's a lot of sloppy football so that's sort of my x factor in all of this and my last question of course we can find in folks you can find kelly on twitter i want to make sure that we plug you guys right here it's kelly underscore quinlan that's q u i n l a n what's coming up for for the site and what do you guys have planned for coverage heading into this week so my two guys who cover the Bulls will be down there, uh, Ben McCool and, and Russ Wood. They'll be down at the game. We're going to have some game previews. Uh, we'll do a little Q&A with you about the game, and uh, then we'll kind of see what happens on Friday. I think that it's coming up fast, a lot faster than uh, I think we all realize because it's not a Saturday game. So I think we, uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of going to be a quick turnaround. It'll be fun to see. I, my favorite part of all this, though, is that all the teams that I, I deal with on a regular basis are all playing before Saturday. So then on Saturday, I get to be the, the, the couch potato and watch all the other games and really enjoy the first full weekend of, of college football. And so I think that's fun for everyone. So, you know, because when your team – that you watch isn't playing, then you get a chance to kind of flip around, see other interesting games, get a feel for what's going on, who looks good, who doesn't, and then just kind of absorb the the fun that is college football. And I think that's one of the nice parts about having an, a, a midweek game uh, to start the season. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm looking forward to, to going back to a Publix grocery store. I used to live down there. So you're going to get a Yeah, I heard – I heard from uh, Trey Sakema from uh, Tampa Bay Trey, of course, on Twitter from Pewter Report that covers Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He told me about the chicken tender sub. I'm sold on it. And so that's going to be at least, hopefully it's going to be uh, an affordable lunch there. It sounds delicious. And yeah, going to get one of those. Hopefully catch the beach, maybe right out of hurricane. Who knows? Uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Kelly, man, we appreciate you coming on the show uh, again. Uh, you know, Anytime you need us, let us know. We appreciate your time today on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Hey, man, it was my pleasure. Guys, Kelly Quinlan, once again, from Running the Bulls, USF.Rivals.com, all that you need for South Florida football heading into this weekend. Make sure you guys check them out. 
We're going to take a quick break, come back. John and I will break down our predictions, our matchups, some over-unders that we'll have based off of some fan feedback, some of our subscriber feedback. We'll talk to you guys in just about a minute here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. We are back here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. We are in the Vivid Seats studio. And of course, folks, use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. Of course, first-time customers only. Right now, we're going to do something quick here. Of course, it's going to be 6 p.m. Central Standard Time for Wisconsin taking on South Florida. I'll be down there in Tampa, so it'll be 7 p.m. Eastern time. They will escape whatever tropical weather is coming Florida's way uh, because this will be played on Friday night. And this will be an interesting matchup for Wisconsin. And uh, we're going to basically, John and I are going to go back and forth and give our three things to watch for on Friday night when the Badgers take on the Bulls. And first off, John, uh, you know, in your opinion, what's what's the first thing that you're going to be watching for on Friday night? Uh, Quintez Cephas. I want to see what he does. I, you know, I seeing them in the two deep, I think was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, but again, it, his, his physical condition, I don't think was ever in question, but you know, the, the speed at which he's been approaching, you know, week one, you know, from where he was just a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, it, it's made for, uh, it's certainly a very interesting story. So, you know, I, I want to see what he's able to do. Uh, against South Florida because it certainly looks like he's going to uh, be involved uh, against against the Bulls there. And, you know, I, w- I would imagine he's going to have a big role in that game. So, uh, number one, I'm looking at Quintez Cephas and what he brings to the table. And, you know, we've talked about this before, Jake. Uh, he, may, he adds to probably what is the most talented wide receiver group that, that has been on campus in at least the last 10 years. So, uh, you know, not only Cephas but, you know, A.J. Taylor, uh, Kendrick Pryor, and Danny Davis. Uh, you know, that kind of four-headed monster, that receiver, uh, you know, what are they going to be able to to do uh, in week one against South Florida? Right. My number one, it for me, is just – it's on the flip side of the ball with, with, with Wisconsin's defense. The adjustments that Jim Leonard's unit will have to make against a an unknown in South Florida's offense. And Jim Leonard talked about it on Tuesday, essentially how he tries to piece together – trying to watch a little bit from Valdosta state's film last year, which in 2018 averaged over 520 yards per game and 52 points per contest, but also trying to pair it with the personnel. There's quarterback Blake Barnett. There's a slot receiver, Johnny Ford, who was a former running back. They have skill position. You know, they have a tight end Mitchell Wilcox that's getting noticed by the NFL. So, Honestly, in trying to pair and see what Kerwin Bell can does with you know, the new coordinator for South Florida, what he does again, you know, against the Badgers, that will be something to watch and to see how quickly Jim Leonard and then also the players on the field can adapt and how they obey their own rules. You'll hear uh, Jimmy talk about that when it comes to just how to work through their rules and to remember their rules uh, if things are unexpected. And so uh, we'll see how fast they acclimate to that and how much they can disrupt South Florida's offense. Uh, Number two for me, uh, Jonathan Taylor and the rushing game. And 
Reason why South Florida last year gave up almost 250 yards on the ground, 247.5 Wisconsin last year. Granted, they had some all Americans on that line that are now departed from the program averaged over 273 yards per contest. So along with that, you have a Heisman caliber back in Jonathan Taylor. Just, you know, something may give, who knows what happens with South Florida where they try to stack eight or nine in the box, which is not uncommon for Wisconsin to see and trying to establish the run. But, you know, how many yards does he get? Does he start off his Heisman campaign with a bang? You hear the bringing running back. What can he do in, in the in the rushing game? What could he do? You know, maybe I'll extend this even further to the passing game. Uh, we've seen him in fall camp catching passes out of the backfield. He looks more comfortable. Just how much of a factor can that be for Wisconsin's offense? John, what do you got for number two? Uh, I'm going to go to the other side of the ball. Uh, two guys in particular uh, that I think it's safe to say earn starting jobs during fall camp. Uh, Isaiah Green May at outside linebacker and then Reggie Pearson at, at that strong safety spot. Uh, two guys who are you know, youngsters right now, uh, but I think they kind of have that that game-changing ability. I don't know if we'll see it this season, but you know, two guys that have unique skill set, you know, uh, Green May because of his length and his kind of size that he brings to that outside linebacker position, even though he's a bit, uh, you know, a little low on, on the, the pounds or the weight side there. And then Pearson, who's, who can cover a lot of ground, uh, but is known as, as a pretty uh, – pretty, physical strong safety uh that, that can definitely uh you know kind of pop the pads there so those are two guys i'm gonna be watching on the defensive side of the ball uh again you know the early in their careers but uh, you know i think that you'll see them grow over time but i i'm looking for them right away week one against south florida all right wrapping up our three things what do you have for number three as your final takeaway or your final just what you're going to keep an eye on yeah, I want to see the backs behind Groshik and, and Taylor, and obviously it should more appropriately Taylor than Groshik. Uh, you know, Nakia Watson, I think, uh, will probably be third up if, if we do see a third tailback, which I think we will. Um, and then, you know, do you see a guy like Bradrick Shaw? You know, does he factor in there? Um, so, you know, you know, mainly I think those two guys have a real good shot of playing against South Florida. I, you know, I'm curious to see how the snaps are allocated. You know, does, does Taylor play more on third down? And that kind of goes into your answer, but – uh, I'm interested to see what they do behind uh, the two guys atop the depth chart because I think Watson is is definitely intriguing as a redshirt freshman. And then, you know, where's Shaw at after after not playing uh, all of last season and all of the spring uh, due, to, due to a knee injury? So uh, I'll be looking behind there on the depth chart from the top two guys who are listed at the top there. Yeah, my last one I'm going to talk about on with me goes back to – we talk about the offense, so we'll stay on this side of the ball. The passing game for Wisconsin. We talked about it during fall camp, our analysis on this podcast, the articles we wrote on the site. Really, in my opinion, the passing game should be better than 2018. But the, the caveat with that, folks, right? How much worse could it get than last year where only 160 yards passing, not even 160 yards passing, 157.7 passer efficiency bad obviously how many contests did they not even reach 100 yards passing or maybe a better word maybe 170 yards passing so really i saw a lot out of not just jack cone but chase wolf and graham mertz and even danny vandenboom in, in spring ball but more or less more definitely toward with cone wolf and mertz 
there's a chemistry there between Wisconsin's quarterbacks and wide receivers that it was apparent when we first saw fall camp, the first full week of August, some big plays down the field. Do they stretch that South Florida defense? And you heard Kelly talk about Mike Hampton, that cornerback who could be one of the best in the nation. Can Wisconsin, you know, with those that practiced it during fall camp, that's Taylor, that is Kendrick Pryor, who I thought had an amazing camp. Is that Danny Davis, who, you know, who shined as well and can make those contested catches. But you go back to Quintus Cephas, you know, your number one thing, John, can Cephas, you know, and it sounds like they want him, you know, they he, they believe he could give them some opportunities, you know, on the field, you know, he can get some reps and snaps. How much of an impact does he make? Because when before he was out in 2017, you could arguably make the statement that he was Wisconsin's best receiver and had that ability to make or just make hard, you know, make hard catches overall. We'll see what the passing game does. Jake, I didn't even mention Jake Ferguson. And, you know, we mentioned Jonathan Taylor too. And Garrett Groshek, what impacts can they make on the field? I think there might be some new wrinkles that Wisconsin can have offensively. And it should be really interesting to see just what Wisconsin rolls out week one against South Florida. So um, those are our three keys. And for now, what we're going to do before we wrap up this show, we had a subscriber. We're going to get in our game predictions uh, mode right now. And Jay underscore Suddy had asked us these questions. We have a mailbag segment. If you're a member of badgerblitz.com, which we recommend, of course, this podcast is free. But if you have an opportunity to subscribe to Rivals and, you know, the BadgerBlitz.com community, you get access to the Badgers then. And every week I'll be doing a mailbag thing probably on Sunday. Ask away, folks. We love getting these questions. Questions. I'll do them on Twitter. I'll do a written segment starting next week. But Jay underscore study had asked John and I some over-under questions and some predictions for the game here. Now, John, I'll start with you. Over under 32.5 points in Tampa for Wisconsin's offense over or under. Oh, that's, that's a good one. I'm going to say under. I think Wisconsin scores 28 points against South Florida. So I will, I will go under there. I'll go over by like 1.5. I think it's going to be a, like a 34, 20 games. I'm already giving them my game prediction, but uh, for score, but I think they get up to 34. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, so it's going to be, I think it's going to be right around there. That's a really good uh, shout out to Jay underscore Suddy for putting a really good mark there. We'll see if Wisconsin, I mean, it's on the road. Humidity is going to be something to watch. Obviously that's been a, a storyline this week, but again, we'll, we'll see what comes of that, but great, great, great over under there. Next one that he has, 1.5 touchdowns for Jack Cohn. I'm going to assume this is throwing the ball. What do you got, John? <laughs> yeah, I'll take throwing or running. I don't think you're going to see Jack Cohn run anything in. Uh, although he's, he's a good athlete. I don't want to make him seem like he's Alex Horner. I mean, he's a lacrosse, former lacrosse. Yeah, he's a former lacrosse player. He did have that, that touchdown on that lonesome call last year. Remember against he Miami did. in the pinstripe bowl. So You're right. You're right. I, I, I was getting confused. I was thinking about Alex Warnerbrook, I think. Uh, I will say <laughs> over two touchdown passes against South Florida. Jonathan Taylor only gets in the end zone once. So I'll go Ooh. 
I will go two touchdown passes, so I'll take the over on that one. All right, all right. I got over as well, and I made a bold prediction on BadgerBlitz.com's uh, one of the th- our three two one series. My one bold prediction: Jack Cone, two hundred and fifty yards passing, three touchdown passes. Will that come to fruition? We will see because Jonathan Taylor very well may run for 350 yards and four touchdowns. And we don't have to worry about a passing game to talk about come Sunday or Saturday when we do the next podcast. So, uh, but my bold prediction, you know, I think South Florida sells out for the run. I think cone shows off what he did in fall camp and it carries over for at least the first game. We'll see what comes of that. Of course, over under now, 0.5 0.5 touchdowns for Quintez Cephas. And this goes back to what we had discussed last, you know, I think it was last week, John, or even earlier this week about Quintez Cephas. Yeah, it was last. It was our last episode. I, what do you think? Do you, do you think, does he score a touchdown this week? Or are you and I still thinking central Michigan is when he might get find the end zone? Yeah, I'm going to still say central Michigan. I'll go under there. Um, though the Quintez Cephas hype train is is uh, is definitely rolling down to South Florida. I think he finds the end zone week two, so I will say under there. But I, I, I think you could have, I think you could have like six or seven catches. I think he's going to be heavily involved. I, I I'll, I'll go under here though. I'll save his first touchdown for Central Michigan. I'll do the same. I'll, I'll stick with it too. I'll stick to my guns. But of course, uh, and it really will be interesting to see. If Sales does play a cornerback, he has, if I'm not mistaken, he's got 14 starts underneath his belt for the Tar Heels before transferring back to the Tampa area to play for the Bulls. And I, you know, Mike Hampton too. Obviously, Kelly praised him, and he was ninth in the nation in, in passes defended or pass breakups last year. So that will be something to watch coming up. Uh, but Sevis could be a huge impact, especially if he is near the shape and, and the abilities that he had in 2017, which is asking a lot, by the way, folks, two years removed, but again, something to watch there. Next one, halfway through over under 1.5 touchdowns for Jonathan Taylor. Any type you already said just one, right? Yeah. But can I change my answer? Yeah. No, you can I'm, no, I'm yeah. kidding. I'll, I'll stick with it. <laughs> I think, I think he's going to put up big yards, but only finds the end zone one. So I will go under on that one as well. I'll go over. I think he gets at least two. I think it could be a big day for the offense, in my opinion. I, I really do. I think I know I have my bold prediction about the passing game, but I feel that Wisconsin's running it, even though they're replacing Michael Dieter and Bo Benchwall and David Edwards and John Dietzen, I think the line will wear down South Florida's and I think Wisconsin uh will see a couple of it, you know, touchdowns from Jonathan Taylor coming up in just under forty eight hours in Tampa. Another one, two more, four point. This is the receiving game now, folks. Four point five receiving targets for Jonathan Taylor and over under two point five receptions. So he's going to get targeted, uh, yeah, uh, either four or five times over yeah, or under. I go under on that, right? He's not going to. They're not going to throw him the ball five times. I no, think no. I'm going under. I think four, yeah, I'll go under too. I'm I'm with you on that. I'll go under, but does he now? Okay, he may go under with the four targets, but two point five receptions. So either two or three receptions. I'll go over. I'll go three. I think he could catch three passes and and then make my 
bold, another bold prediction of catching 25 passes, a reality that I said a few podcasts ago. So I'll go under on targets, but I think he actually, you know, he doesn't drop a, you know, a drop a ball. I think he gets three catches on Friday night. I got to go under there too. I I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I just, yeah, it's nice to talk about Taylor and I'm not saying that he can't do it. I know that that's something that they've, they've worked on, you know, not just this off season, but I remember, you know, camp last year where, you know, maybe it was even spring camp last year where Paul Chris was working one-on-one with Jonathan Taylor, you know, catching passes out of the backfield and route running there and, and just kind of intricacies there. So um, I, that obviously something that they're working on. I don't want to make it seem like that's just something that's so foreign to him, but, I'll go under there. I want to see it first in the game plan. I mean, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to actually do it. I still think you see a lot of, of uh, Garrett Groshek on third downs uh, where he's, you know, obviously pass blocking, but also maybe he uses a receiver as well. So I'll go under, but, you know, maybe they, they, they show something different against South Florida than what we've seen from Taylor the last two years. Last one. Over under 2.5 players with greater than 50 yards rushing. I will go, oof, I'll go over on that. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I'm in the same boat with you. There's Taylor. I think Groshek gets involved. And yeah. I'm trying to think, like, I think just with the running game, I, I'm, I'll go back to South Florida giving up almost 250 on the ground per game last year. I don't know if their defensive line, their front four in the depth chart, Six of the eight are upperclassmen, but they're also missing. Uh, South Florida is their starting middle linebacker. And so I think Wisconsin will have an opportunity to run the ball and run it effectively. Anytime you have a Heisman back, that's going to be the case. But Taylor, Groshek, I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll go Nakia Watson. I think he could be, uh, uh, let's go back to what Zach Halperin said back in July about the, the running style. He compared it to Monty, Monty Ball. Now he's not saying that it, he he will be Monty Ball, but the running style is similar. So I think that could be a great compliment to what Jonathan Taylor is. So uh, yeah, I'll go I'll go over on that. All right, I'm with you. I'm with you on the over. Yeah, I think I think Watson could get there. Uh, so I'll yeah I'll say three guys do it. So I'll I'll take the over. All right, wrapping up. Last thing, score prediction. I already gave mine 34-20. Wisconsin comes out with a season opening win in the humid and muggy and possibly rainy conditions inside Raymond James stadium down in Tampa. But what do you have, John? Yeah, I've come around a little bit on this. Uh, I I still think it's a tough matchup for Wisconsin with obviously going on the road and, uh, you know, having a quarterback with not a ton of experience there and, you know, obviously the weather and stuff. Uh, You know, I, I think I started fall camp thinking that, you know, Wisconsin could get picked off here, but, I think his camp is kind of wore on. I, you know, maybe you're talking yourself more into it. I think it's 28-17 Wisconsin. Ooh, still double-digit victory predicted here. Both of us for BadgerBlitz.com. Again, we'll see just how the defense adjusts to whatever the Bulls throw at them. We'll see how Wisconsin acclimates to the weather, what we see out of the offense, any type of wrinkles, or if maybe they try to play a little bit more vanilla up until Michigan in about three weeks. Uh, so yeah, lot to, lot to watch. I'll be down there. I'll be covering it live from Raymond James stadium. And John, I mean, we got, I've been working, I've been typing my, you know, typing my fingers off the past, uh, I'd say 24 hours. We got a lot coming up on badgerblitz.com. 
uh, feel free. Uh, let's, t- let's tell them what we got coming. Yeah. Still a lot tomorrow. I know that uh, you still have a few more stories to roll out. Uh, you know, obviously more preview stuff for South Florida. Um, and then, you know, Friday I'm going to uh, actually be out a football game. Uh, that is undecided yet, but I'll, I'll be out there. So provide some coverage there as well. So, you know, the next couple of days, just like the last couple months, have been it will be pretty loaded and uh it'll be there'll be plenty to read to get you ready for south florida and beyond absolutely and you know i'll be down in tampa coming up tomorrow starting tomorrow which is thursday morning uh, into thursday afternoon uh that's when i get in and uh feel free for badger fans hit me up say hi i'm not saying i can possibly meet up but if there are any badger fans that are badgerblitz.com subscribers uh feel free to call it out and, and say hello uh on that note where you can find all this, of course, badgerblitz.com, wisconsin.rivals.com. Twitter for Johns, it's at McNamara Rivals. For me, it's at Jake Coco, K O C O. And of course, the main line, the main account at Badger underscore Blitz. And thank you to those that have been following that account. We've upgraded our, uh, we've seen a, a huge uptick in followers uh, during the summer. So we appreciate you guys doing that. And then, of course, this podcast, right? Coming up, we're going to have, hopefully on Saturday, depending upon the weather and the situation down there, and hopefully everyone just real quick too, please be safe down there. I know the forecasts right now are really looking like Florida's going to get hammered. Uh, Please be safe. Please make the right travel arrangements. I know I'm keeping my eyes peeled on Frontier Airlines and, and more about what they can do, but please be safe. Uh, but hopefully I can get a podcast done on Saturday for everybody with some post-game interviews. We'll have that. But back to this podcast. You guys can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and now we just added TuneIn. So you go to the TuneIn app, type in badgerblitz.com, and guess what, folks? You can listen right away and listen to all of our podcasts that we've had since joining Overtime Media. So that's a great little thing we got going on there. I like using TuneIn for a lot of the Milwaukee stations here when I live in Madison. So uh, four avenues there along with the main overtime media site too. So make sure you guys listen there. Uh, and, and then of course, subscribe. Why? Because it instant, wherever you listen to on Apple or Google or Spotify, like I was saying, those instantly show up and guess what? You can listen right away when they are available. So when this goes up probably late Wednesday night, when you wake up, guess what? It's right there for you. Feel free to leave us a review. We want to make this the most Wisconsin Badger centric podcast out there. And there are a lot of good ones too. So we want to make sure that we're taking care of you all and what you want to hear for as a Wisconsin Badgers fans community. So, uh, but also to leave us reviews. It's the way that we continue to build up this podcast. And that means, you know, Hey, we love five-star reviews. If you could give some, that'd be great. Uh, But please be genuine. Let us know what we can do to make this podcast better. We love feedback. We we crave it. We want to make this, like I said, a, one of the best podcasts out there, not just for Wisconsin Badgers, but college football and give you all the insights for Wisconsin football, basketball, and especially recruiting. So I'll stop talking. I'm going to start editing this podcast and then hopefully get at least a couple hours of sleep before I travel out. John, uh, enjoy your Friday night game, John. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully I don't get rained on uh, too much down in Florida. 
Yeah. Safe travels. I wish you the best of luck. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, I know Marcus Path, our good friend, will be down there with me too, uh, and along with my wife. So let's let's hope this ten year anniversary, this uh, the one I'll call it the one day, ten ten year anniversary vacation day in Florida. Hopefully, it's not too crazy. But like I said, everyone else, please be safe. Uh, for everyone in Florida, uh, again, please be safe as well. And we'll talk to you guys coming up this weekend for another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media.